What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Mm Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Hey, mamas, and welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. Today, I have Ms. Allison Villa, who is going to talk about relationships with our partners, which when you are a mom, when you have kids, if you are living with a partner, this is like paramount to your ability to parent well and to the peace and warmth and contentment in your household. And so I'm really excited that you're here. Thanks for being here today. You are so welcome. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah. Okay. So I know that you became excited about sharing this type of information with folks because you have your own personal story. And like most of us, when you have your own personal story and kind of go through it, then you have this fire inside you to make it better for other people too. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I first was studying to be a psychotherapist, I was also a brand new mom. And so this growth as a therapist was happening at the same time as I was becoming a mother. And I started noticing patterns in with clients as I was having with other parents in the playground. And then it was often around how our romantic relationship was changing so much after having children. And We talk so much as parents about how to parent our kids and we put so much of our time and energy and it is really normalized how much we change when we become parents, but there wasn't anything at that time, which was almost 10 years ago, helping us to normalize the changes that happened in the romantic relationship. Yeah, exactly. And what was happening like in your relationship? (laughs) You don't have to get too nitty gritty. You know, I'm like open book to everybody, but, but tell us like, what were just the common themes of the struggles that were going on for you? Oh, absolutely. So there, I am so fine with being transparent. So yeah, there were, for us, we both have, you know, solid jobs. We have a house. We, you know, we got married, we had kids. We, we've done all the things that we thought were supposed to bring us all the joy and happiness. But meanwhile, we were passing the baton and not seeing a whole lot of each other. And also, if I'm being honest, not really seeing the best of each other. Because 
my partner would come home. I'd be making dinner with two cranky kids, you know, like that time, that hour when they come in, it's like, we've actually had a great day, but now you're seeing me and them in meltdown mode. Cause we're all really tired. And so that didn't feel good. Like he wasn't seeing me the way I wanted to be witnessed. And anyways, all, all of those pieces, how they were playing out, it didn't feel good. And so I got to a point of really questioning, why are we doing what we do every day? Like you come home and you take over with the kids so that I can go see my clients. And where is the space in between for us? We're great as a family team. That part we're really great at, but there wasn't the couple time and space for us. And I was really missing that. And I did not want to continue that lifestyle if it meant we weren't going to have space for each other. And so bringing that to my partner, bringing that to my husband was really scary and vulnerable. So I remember bringing it to him and saying, is this the life that you want to continue? Because I'm, I'm not happy with this. I'm not, it's not enough for me passing the baton. And yeah, we've done all the things we said we would do, but I didn't think it would make me feel like this really ultimately missing you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think too, there's something to be said for when you do this type of work with other people, like for me in my pediatrics practice, where I'm really in people's lives and giving them advice about how to have um, kids who are healthy, families that are healthy, but also trying to find some fulfillment or satisfaction in their lives. And then I'm sure for you as well, of course, right? As a therapist, it's like when it's not happening in your life, you feel that acutely. Like I have had so many moments where I felt shame or like this fraud sense or just this like longing sense when things were not um, like I'm giving people all these, all this advice. And then in my own life, I can feel like, actually, like, I know I'm a human, nothing's perfect, but man, there are some things that I just need to look at with compassion in my own life. Like that I think are not in alignment with what I preach to everybody else or what I really want for myself. And so I, I understand that feeling of like, whoa, I, something is off here. And I think we as a couple deserve better. And that as a human person, I deserve better, that I want more for myself, for my kids, for my, for my partner. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to want more. And especially what you're saying as a wellness practitioner, it, it does start with you first, right? You need to practice what you preach and walk the talk and that in my work and then sharing that process of how we had a breakdown as a couple that actually led to a breakthrough and normalizing that every couple goes through ups and downs and flows through the four relationship seasons, which was something I developed after recognizing those patterns and going through my own process of breakdown to breakthrough and realizing, oh my gosh, this language, this changing how we speak about our relationship, it impacts how we show up in our relationship too and the expectations we have of each other. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about these four seasons because I know that people are listening and like chomping at the bit. Give me the information. <laughs> I need it right now. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I got you. I'm with you. Yep. Having, having a hard time. Uh-huh. Now mm -hmm, what? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Having kids has changed your relationship. Okay. What do we do next? So the first thing we need to do is acknowledge and recognize that you will not be in this place forever. And how do we do that? We need to pull back and have a perspective on the bigger picture. So there are four relationship seasons. Every, every couple will move through all four of them. You will not be stuck in the coping season forever. So it's coping, mm -hmm. coasting, 
connected, and confident. And the way they work, it's the same as the four seasons in the weather, right? You wouldn't just jump from the winter to the summer. There's always a transitional season in between. And so it's the same thing with the relationship seasons. When you're in the coping season, you will slowly move into coasting and then into connected and then into confident. So that is how they work. It's slow and gradual. The seasons are at minimum four months each because life, you know, things, it's it's also changing that perspective. Things don't happen quickly and just giving yourself that permission and go gently. So I bet you want to know about the coping season. <laughs> yes. Tell me. <laughs> So the coping season is when there is an external factor or an internal factor that pulls all of your time and energy and resources. So a great example of that is having a baby, right? That baby pulls all of your time and energy. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you don't care for each other in your relationship. It really just means you don't have a lot of energy left. You don't have a lot of time left for each other. So that means the relationship has been put into the coping season. Mm-hmm. There's also internal factors that can put you in the coping season, which is often a breakdown of trust when words and actions don't meet. Sometimes it's one event, sometimes it's multiple smaller events that can lead to that. And then that, again, that takes a lot of your emotionality and makes it. So that's typically what the coping season looks like. Okay. So my question is thinking about my own life. Like there have been seasons that I've been in a coping season Mm -hmm. for like longer than I want to be. Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. we are stuck in perpetual coping season. So Mm -hmm. what would you tell to people? I have my own ideas, but tell, tell me what you (laughs) would say to people who are like, I'm always coping. Like what analysis do they need to do of themselves or of their relationship or of maybe like having too much that they're doing or, you know, like what are the things that you would tell people as first steps to kind of either accept the fact they're in the coping season or to say, you know, I really want out of this. How do I transition a little bit more to a different season? Hmm. So the beautiful thing about recognizing your specific relationship season is then, you know, exactly what steps to take. Like, how do I get out of it? What's the action step? So the action step in the coping season is this is your time to receive. So it's asking for what you need, whether that's from your community, from your partner, from the people in your life. It's your time to receive. Think about it. When you have a new baby, it's your village. They are coming together to support you. It's your time to receive. Mm-hmm. So asking for what you need and expressing how you feel. And that can mean expressing it, you know, journaling, moving your body through music, uh, expressing it in words to your partner, speaking to a trusted friend, a therapist, expressing. So don't keep all the feelings that you're having because this is a thing when we're in coping season, it's usually the messier feelings. And Mm -hmm. we don't want those to stay in. We need you to move them through your body, through your brain, uh, and that you need to express to get them out. Yeah. And what happens when we keep them inside our body and our brain, I'm sure you would agree with this, is like they have to come out somewhere. So they either seep out to everybody and to everything. They either manifest in your body as Mm -hmm. headaches or as stomach aches because you build up that hydrochloric acid inside your belly 
or they come out as like explosion of feelings onto everybody and reactivity and getting mad and getting into bad cycles with everybody. Yeah. Yes. You got it. You got it. So, okay. One day like Peloton is going to come on here and sponsor me because I talk about them like 24 seven and like my, (laughs) my spin bike. But I think that's why when I'm in really tough seasons, I almost always crave these times where I'm like in the dark with loud music blaring and I can just like, like kind of like rage it out for a second or like party it out for a second or do something that just like really releases all of that energy. Um, I've had so many times where I've been like sobbing either in my garage by myself or in a class, like, because it's like, you need that release and maybe you've been holding on to it so much. And so what I found for myself is when I get to that point where it's in those types of like acute moments that I'm having those like, whoa, of emotion, Mm. that's when I realized for myself, I think I need more daily times of expressing those emotions or more consistent times throughout the day of doing that. So then I don't need to have this like massive outpouring. I don't have to be like yo-yoing with my emotions. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Have you found that helpful for people? Absolutely. What a great reflection to have and recognizing that you, like your body's saying to you, you have stress in your body, whether it's emotional stress, mental stress, and you need to move that cortisol through your body. And so you're doing that in those moments. Like I need to get it out, right? The physical, Mm -hmm. get it out of your body, out of your system. Uh, And I also love that you're recognizing how can we be proactive so that we don't have to do it in these bursts when we are reacting instead of being able to respond. So how do you incorporate self-care, which is the intentional act of restoring yourself? How do you filter it into your day in five minutes, in two minutes, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. that it's consistent. How do you express yourself in those very simple ways every single day to your partner? I always say about relationships, it's like a flower. You know, you wouldn't just leave it on the windowsill and then just take it on vacation once a year. You need to water it every day, just a little bit. And it needs Mm -hmm. to have some sun. Maybe if you talk nice to it, you're going to notice it's going to grow a little better and stronger, right? (laughs) So we need that. Like, how do you water your relationship? How do you nurture it and yourself first? So tell me how, because we're talking about kind of like self-care, you Mm -hmm. as an individual asking for help, um, expressing emotion, all of those things. So those feel really individual. You touched a tiny bit on like with your partner also, like giving some attention there, but yeah, if you as as partners really feel like you're both have no bandwidth, you're kind of at your wit's end, it, what are like the most important things for couples to do to stay connected during those times or to support each other? Yeah, so this is a big one. So especially in the coping season, you're not just meant to only lean on each other, right? Mm-hmm. You each need to have your own community around you. When mm-hmm. a couple is in the coping season, they cannot, they will collapse if they only lean on each other because they're both individually going through stuff and every relationship has that. And this is in a village, in a pack, in a community. And in the modern time, it's very much each family to themselves. It's just how our modern society has evolved. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's taking us away from that. So the reminder first is is to find your people and so that you're not just putting everything into each other because 
we can't be everything to each other all the time. So have your supportive people, whether those are, you know, your therapists or your professionals who you hire for support or your very dear friends and family who, you know, you can lean on and trust. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, amen. (laughs) Say it again for the people in the back, right? Because, um, you know, I, we, my husband and I had seen a couple therapists for a long time, and that was a great person who could support us in terms of our individual, like how we talk to each other and all that. But mm-hmm. I think actually the biggest change for us happened with our daughter as we were dealing with some really difficult moments was when we each individually saw our own therapist, had mm-hmm. our own person that we were talking to, and then we'd come together and have the other couple therapists as like a anchor, but just having it be like, that's our separate time where that person, we can say whatever we need to, we're not trying to filter or make sure that we're like not hurting anybody's feelings. Like we're just like laying it all out there with someone who is designated literally to be our support person. So I'm a huge fan of that. Um, I think the other thing I want to just give a shout out for, um, of course, as a medical professional and as a you know, someone who helps people in terms of mental health stuff. I think, you know, um, medication is not like my go-to, but I think that there are times like when you are coping and your bandwidth is so, so low. There have been times that I have been on like anti-anxiety medications when it's just been like, I'm doing all the things. I'm doing all the things that are right. I have all the support people. I'm doing all the things. And yet I'm like caught up in my own emotions. And so I think, you know, um, not seeing that as maybe your first step, but I think just seeing that there are tools that work at different seasons of your life and being open to what those tools are, be it, you know, movement, be it meditation, be it the therapist, be it medication, all those things. Mm -hmm. Allowing yourself to receive support in whatever capacity is right for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's coping. Mm-hmm. And then you move from coping to, was it coasting? Yeah. Coasting. Okay. So tell me about that. In the coasting season, you're an, an awesome parenting team and nothing urgent is pulling your attention. And so I call this the danger zone season because we get really comfortable in just doing everything together as a family. And we haven't figured out how to implement couple time yet because coping is not so far away. And we didn't have any couple time during coping and now we're coasting and we have to really intentionally bring that back onto our radar. And I like to think about coasting like a bicycle. So think about when you're coasting on a bike, what happens when you get to the bottom of the hill? Yeah. Then you slow down, you slow down. And then what? I don't know. Crash. (laughs) You (laughs) fall over, right? Eventually that momentum will end. And it's the same thing in the coasting season. If you don't put that little bit of energy into the couple, this is where we see empty nest syndrome. And I know it sounds so extreme, but people can sit in the coasting season really for years, right? Until their kids move out. And all of a sudden it's that realization that, oh my gosh, we haven't, you know, had a lot of couple time and we don't know each other super well without the family unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that there's nothing that actually bonds us together, that like our whole life as a couple is centered around what's happening with our kids, which I see a lot actually, you know, when um, when moms are at home fully with their kids and not working, I've seen that um, even like if moms are working and they're like just 
fully focused on like work and their kids that then their kids leave and they're like, well, I don't know what I even like. I don't even know what I'm into. I have no idea what I'm like passionate about. And it feels like the same parallel as a couple. Like, what are the things that we enjoy doing together? Like, how do we like being intimate together? Because you never even had time to like think about that before. You were just trying to like make it happen whenever it could because you had your kids there. Yes, yes. So this is why when you're in that coasting season, the action items are helping each other with self-care first right? Be each other's biggest cheerleaders. You want to get on the Peloton at 8am. I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to make sure that happens for you because I know you as an individual and you getting back in touch with yourself and who you are. I know that that's important and I want that for you. And then reciprocating that with each other. So it's really, really seeing each other as individuals first. Do you see Dan in her book, how not to hate your husband after kids? You know that book, <laughs> salacious <laughs> title, but like really helpful stuff in there. She talks about this like items of value and trading items of value, and just this idea of couples of saying like you like to be at the baseball game, and I really like to go like have a glass of wine with my friends, and like just that act of honoring the other person's hobbies, interests, values, unicorn time. Ebrodsky kind of calls it like. But that is so validating for the other partner, allows you to see that other partner as a team member, as someone that like, oh, great, awesome. You value my time too. And also prevents that resentment between each other. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. The more you fill each other's cups and you're saying with your actions and words, I see you, I recognize you, I love you as who you are as an individual, you're filling that cup so that you don't have resentment down the road. Mm-hmm. It's very proactive. It's all about the proactive relationship health. Coasting, it sounds like in coping, you're like hanging on by your fingernails. You're trying to just do the stuff that's going to be for you to try to like create as much bandwidth as possible, get the support from other people, buoy you up. And then coasting, it's like, okay, now we move into active zone. How do we not get stuck? How yeah. do we not like end up in a pit or in like a ditch? without even realizing that we got there. Yeah, exactly. I love that image, not ending up in the ditch, Mm -hmm. right? So helping each other get back in touch with yourselves as individual, your sense of self has changed. Obviously you've just been through something really huge from the coping season. Uh, And so you're reintegrating that version of yourself now and carving out even five minutes of couple time every day and five minutes of couple time. This is my simple rule. You can't get it wrong. Okay. Is no talking about the kids, no talking about work, and no talking about the households. So you need to spend five minutes every day taking interest in purely each other. Be curious about each other the way you were when you were getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, gosh, for us in our house, we've had to set up some rules around like screens. Because <laughs> my husband, I'll be like talking to him and he's looking at his phone. I'm like, hello, I'm talking. He's like, I'm listening. I'm like, well, I have to tell you that to me, it doesn't really feel like you're listening because you're actually looking at a device while I'm talking to you. So you had to set up some rules to say like, okay, once the kids go to bed, I know we want to veg, but let's just put the phones aside. We're not checking our stuff for like 10, 15 minutes, give ourselves undivided attention. And then we can like go back to vegging on Netflix or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, let's just give each other 
only a few minutes of undivided time so that we know that we're valuable to each other. Oh, I love that you expressed this and that that feeling of when your partner is on a device, it takes their focus away from you. And, and that's really important to name. And I love that you, you created a rule around that. Like, let's put those down. Let's turn them over. All the screens are off. And here we are just being present with each other uninterrupted. Yeah. And we had to do that because at first our therapist kind of coached me on saying like, I feel lonely or like, I, you know, when you do that, I feel lonely. Or when you do that, I feel like I don't have attunement, but I feel like my husband would be like, whatever, dude, I'm sitting next to you lonely. Like we're sitting here in the room together. So we had to instead like create the rule outside of the moment. Mm -hmm. So that that way, then I didn't have to feel like all weird for saying I feel lonely in this moment, even though that's totally the emotion that I have. And then, cause he didn't like perceive it on that same level that I did. You know, I perceived this Mm -hmm. as like this huge affront to me. Like I'm not worthy of your attention, you know? So it like starts this whole other spiral for us. So I think sometimes setting up these um, guidelines, I don't know rule, but like guidelines around what we're going to do with our time makes it so then you just create the practice without creating more drama around it. Yeah? Yes, yes. I call these agreements. So Mm -hmm. making those agreements exactly how you described before the moment happens, right? Before you're sitting there on the couch and noticing that feeling that you're having, talking about it ahead of time and saying like, next time we're on the couch, can we make an agreement to do this? I would really appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me. And and making those terms together so time it happens. You know how like in high school, you could join different clubs depending on your interests or things people were into? I wasn't really that much of a club person when I was younger, but these days it feels like having a tribe of other working moms around me is so, so valuable. And it's hard to do in real life because we're all scattered and busy and have our separate lives. We have designed the Modern Mamas Club to be that club, that tribe, that support network for you. And we didn't want it just to be about what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome professional or what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome mom, but also what are the ways we can help you to remember who you are as an individual person? Voila, welcome. The Modern Mamas Club is on the scene. It's a community of mamas to support you, 24 access to our video library, live events, workshops, hangouts, relatable mom rooms and discussions, and a resource library and recommendations from yours truly, Dr. Whitney. Go check it out at modernmommydoc.com. Okay, so we covered coping, we covered coasting, and then Mm -hmm. what's the next season? The next season is the connected season. And the connected season means that you are amazing at helping each other with self-care. You are consistent with your couple time, even if it's five minutes a day, three times a week, it's consistent. And you know how to do that. You know how to tune into each other. And now you're getting clear on your family and relationship vision. Okay. What does that mean? Tell, dig, dig into this a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. How do you create a family? 
vision. Again, I have some ideas because I think about like your own individual vision that we talk about in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, centered mamas or modern mamas club and in our centered vision. But, but tell me about a family vision. Yes. In couples box, I guide couples to their five year vision. And we look at the ages of each of your children, where they will be on their school journey, what are the milestone moments that are going to be happening in those next five years? We look at the values, we look at travel, we look at all of these different aspects, work, relationship, um, other relationships, friends and family, what you want the whole big picture to look and feel like. So we really break it down into eight different areas so that you can see on paper, oh yeah, so in three years, one kid is going to be in their first year of elementary and the next one's going to be starting high school. Oh my gosh. Like, what is that going to look like? How do we want it to look? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the reason I like that is because, and that I'm really into people creating like visions for themselves and kind of like guideposts for themselves or a framework for themselves is because my friend, she's a, um, pretty high powered surgeon. And she just came out here for her son starting college, uh, in Oregon. And like they brought their son out and she was doing medical school and residency while he was young. And she was expressing to me just about like the sense of loss, of course, which I think a lot of people go through when they're dropping their kids off at college and how, you know, she was there. She's an amazing mom. She's like, like a total mentor to me, even though we're the right, the same age she made it to all the things for him, all the milestones. But in her mind, she feels like she missed a lot of those things as she was doing her practice and trying to do her training and all that. She was telling me, you know, like, I wish I could go back in time almost and like rewind and press play again on his life and like just start it all over because now we've gotten to this moment at 18 years and like, he's going to fly the coop and he's just gone. You know, the relationship has changed. Um. And I was just thinking about for myself, for my girls, like that feeling I think is not completely avoidable of feeling like some nostalgia and regret. We all have things that we wish could be a bit different or ways we wish we'd done things differently. But that I do think having this vision helps you to feel like when you get to that point five years later, maybe things weren't perfect. Maybe things didn't go exactly the way that you wanted them to go, but that you feel really satisfied and content with the main pillars of how you lived your life as a family or as an individual. I love that. It is the main pillars. You want to feel good about those and that you've built them with intention Mm -hmm. because let's be honest, the parenting years, they fly by so fast and the day-to-day moments and meeting the needs, all the needs, it's really Mm -hmm. consuming. I almost think of it as you know, if you're walking down the street, you can, you know, you can get stuck looking down at your feet, making sure you don't trip and you forget to look up and see where you're going and see the bigger view. And that's how I see the family and relationship vision, right? We don't want you to get trapped in there, all the needs of the day to day and forget that you have things that are coming and that you can look ahead towards to be intentional about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I need to go jump on your website, obviously, and start this family <laughs> vision. Cause I think for myself, it's pretty easy for me to think about what do I want my five things that I focus on to be. But with my family, I think sometimes that's a little bit harder when you think about planning with a couple or like with a family. Cause 
um, like in my relationship, I'm the one who's very visionary and thinking and like grandiose mm-hmm. plans. And I think mm-hmm. my husband is a little bit more like focused on his feet and like, we need to put mm-hmm. one foot in front of the other. He's much more logical than I am. I'm like head in the clouds, like, Oh my gosh, we could be amazing. He's like, let's pay our <laughs> rent, you know? <laughs> so, so I think for couples, this could be so valuable. You guys make sure you go check it out at the end. We'll put in the show notes, like exactly where to find all of Allison's resources. Um, we'll put it actually on our member site too. So that way you guys can access it there. Cause I think that would be amazing. Um, but I think having it guided with an expert who knows how to think about what are the different aspects that matter the most could be really life-changing for couples. So that's amazing that you do that. I'm so glad. (laughs) Oh, thanks for saying that. And it is really common what you described where one person is the visionary or that comes more easily to them. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a really beautiful practice to figure out how do we do that together? And how do we look at that together? I've seen so many couples, you know, learn that skill together and grow together. Okay. So you're doing the connection season and then the final season is? The final season is the confident season. So you have awesome self-care, consistent couple time. You're already working towards your family and relationship vision. There's clarity there. And now You have such a solid foundation in all of those aspects that now you're getting really clear on your intimacy vision. And what is that? What's the intimacy vision? (laughs) (laughs) So intimacy, most people think automatically physical intimacy. Mm -hmm. And there are many different forms of intimacy, intellectual intimacy, emotional intimacy, Uh, physical intimacy. There's all different ways to explore your intimacy. And ironically, and of course, all of those aspects are the other, right? Figuring out what do you want your intimacy to look like? What are the things that make you feel close to your partner? What are the things that are really working right now? What are the things that you want to see more of? And we often don't even step back to ask ourselves that. This sense of desire, especially as parents, there isn't room for desire a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And desire and pleasure, I don't even just mean erotically. I really mean like how tapping into our own desire and pleasure, even in the little moments in life, we have to tune back into that again. And so when you're in the confidence season with all of this foundation and all of that in place, you have this time and space to really ask about that together and get clear on your intimacy vision as a couple. Oh, I love that. And I keep on thinking about the movie Soul. Have you seen that movie? It's yeah. all about, like, yeah, it's it's all about, you know, at the end, like, what are the simple pleasures that make you live life to the fullest? And I can mm-hmm. see in your seasons, um, your seasons here of, of connection, of family, of like, you can only kind of come to that place of being ready to think about those intimacy parts when you're in that space of confidence. Mm-hmm. It's like the rest of the time, you're kind of like, you're moving through, you're moving through, you're moving through. And then when you get to the confidence, that's when you're able to really dig down into like, okay, I'm ready to think about pleasure. I'm ready to think about desire. I'm ready to think about what makes me tick, what makes me like so alive, right? Yes. Yeah. yes. And I want to challenge listeners as well, because... In the tiny little corner of my mind, I have this little thing that keeps on coming up for me as we're talking, which is, yeah, but COVID, yeah, but kids getting sick, 
Yeah, but all the stresses of life. And Mm -hmm. in your curriculum, I'm going to guess, and for sure in my curriculum, my big thing is, yeah, sure. Waves are going to come. Storm's going to come. Bad day is going to come. So this is not a recipe for you having like perfect days with your partner or with yourself or with your family all day, every day. This is like your blueprint for where you're going so that when things get off track, instead of you going like on a nature hike for five miles in the wrong direction, you hopefully just go like a hundred yards down the wrong path. And then you circle on back to where you really want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like that guideline, that blueprint, that thing you come back to that keeps you centered, keeps you on track for where you want to be in five, 10 years. Yes. I love that. And that reminder too, that most ruptures are based out of expectations not being met. And when you have this language of understanding what season you're in, so let's say you're in the coping season, you're not going to be thinking about your intimacy vision at, you know, at a certain level, your, your intimacy is going to look a little bit different and then you can adjust your expectation accordingly. Right. So as soon as you're able to recognize, oh yeah, this is where we are and adjust your expectations, both of you using the same language and expectations, it decreases your ruptures and helps you to communicate where you are. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like we just had a loss in our family. Of course we're in the coping season. It's pulling all of our time and energy. Oh my gosh. We're dealing with a major renovation. We just moved. You just got a new job, right? It's recognizing, of course we're missing each other. We're in coping right now. And how, what do we do in coping? We keep talking through it right? This, this adjustment, keeping you back on track, like what you're describing. Yeah. I hear so much of that self-compassion talk, which I always think about as an individual, but it's like self-compassion or compassion for yourself as a couple and as a family as well. Yes. Yes. Self-compassion. Allison, it has been amazing to have you here. Go run to her website and figure out how you can get a hold of her programs. Can you tell us more about where people can find you on the internet and then also on social media? Absolutely. So firstly, go to alisonvilla.com slash quiz to find out your relationship season. So once you take the free quiz, then I give you specific steps. So you know exactly what actions to take right now. And there's way more tools also on my website, which is alisonvilla.com. My first name and my last name have two L's and an I. And you can find me on Instagram. My handle is alison double underscore villa. And then you have a podcast as well. So tell people the name of that. So that way, if they want to listen and get more tips from you, they can find it straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. Absolutely. My Couplehood podcast, I release weekly episodes. So definitely go and hang out with me there. I'd love to connect with you. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Hey, Mama. If you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.